Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 46. My name is Timitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Jonathan Kuline on the line in Mr. and Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. So let's do some fact check, John. Fact check. So 30 minutes, 22 seconds into last episode, uh, Tim had asked us about the uh, end credits scene in Avengers Endgame, which we never talked about. We never circled back to that one. Uh, uh, so I thought I would mention what it was. So uh, for those of you who haven't seen it yet and don't want to, spoilers for the next 30 seconds. The end credit scene at the uh, end of Avengers Endgame isn't actually a scene. It's just a sound. But as they show the Marvel logo, you can hear the sound of uh, uh, what comes from Iron Man. And it's Tony forging his first set of Iron Man armor in the cave. So you can hear it uh, hearkening back to that first first scene. Hmm. I wonder if they cut the sound in the theater I was in. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, 38 minutes, uh, according to Tim, the fans of Benedict Cumberbatch call themselves Cumberbitches. Yes, they call themselves Cumberbitches. There's a, there's a clip here I've got, and I'll put in show notes, of Benedict Cumberbatch talking to Graham Norton and Chris Pine about this. And apparently the Chris Pine fans are called Pine Nuts. And uh, <laughs> so they start asking the women in the audience if they are, uh, they get them to stand up and they have to decide, they, the three of them decide whether or not they think the person is a Pine Nut or a Cumberbitch. And, and the women... <laughs> Gladly say I'm a cumber bitch, so I guess it's okay. All right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, 4233, uh, we're talking about Inside the Actor Studio. The host is James, James Lipton. James Lipton, yes, of course. Uh, 4250, you were mentioning a film that he was discussing with, uh, that Alec Baldwin was discussing with James Lipton, where he plays a doctor who gets sued for malpractice, and it is 1993's Malice. Right, Malice, yep. And uh, 132, uh, the final season for iZombie, where I was mentioning that I'm looking forward to that. That, and I wasn't sure how many episodes it is. It's 13. I looked it up. There you go. All right. And I watched the first one, and it was excellent. Good to know. All right. I mean, do you have something in the headlines? Yeah. Well, first thing we have is a, uh, a new track from Disney's Star Wars Galaxy Edge theme park. And what we have here is, at least at the time I looked at it, was just a singular track from the Symphonic Suite. It's uh, music by John Williams. It's kind of what you would expect, and it, it sounds pretty good. I imagine you'll probably hear this ad infinitum <laughs> when you're standing in the long lines to enjoy the new rides, but that's just Did sort of the way things work. Legend, Disney Park. Like a hint? Hmm? You said John Lennon or John Legend? John Williams. Did I say John Legend? Uh, no, no. I thought you said John Williams. Oh, okay. All right. I thought I heard John Lennon. I don't know. That's why I sort of, when you said Imagine, I thought, what? John, oh, oh Johnny good. Williams. You mean Johnny Williams of the, of the uh, Lost in Space soundtrack? Same guy? Yeah. Johnny Williams. Who knew, eh? Well, it probably beats the heck out of It's a Small World. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Well, my first thing in the headlines is, uh, is uh, yeah, we, what, we need another prequel. This one is coming to us 
was um, from, I don't know if we talked about this before, on the Game of Thrones prequel, apparently, is being produced. Um, yeah, so they've got a bunch of spin-offs coming from Game of Thrones, which you thought was over. Ah. Yeah, apparently they're doing one uh, that is based on the the previous Long Night, so it's in the, in the sort of endless winter, um, and they've announced some casting for that, too. It sounds, uh, sounds promising, anyways. Yeah, Naomi Watts and uh, mm-hmm. the name I knew, and a bunch of other actors and actresses who I think are more famous on shows in uh, this in in the UK, I think, right? Like one guy's mm-hmm. from, from Fantastic Beasts you guys have talked about, right? Yep. Yeah, but then think, think back to the beginning of Game of Thrones. Yeah. How many of those actors did you know? Sean Bean. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, you knew some, some, you know, Sean Bean and you knew some of the character actors you might recognize from other things, but not a lot of household names, so. Right. Oh, John I, I don't think it's one. such a bad thing. I don't think it's such a bad thing to see some new faces. I think it's actually kind of helps immerse a little bit better. Yeah. John Sim is in this uh, prequel, apparently. He played the master on Doctor Who for a while, and he was also in a really great show, one of my favorite shows called Life on Mars. I don't know if you guys... Oh, I remember that yeah, show, yeah. yeah. And there was a sequel. What was the sequel called? It was another David Bowie song. Uh, there were two There were two uh, shows. They, they did a Life on Mars in, in, the, in the... Like, they redid it in an American version of it, which was still good. Um, it had a different ending, though, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Hmm. It's about a detective who um, gets knocked out and, and wakes up seven, 30 years earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing... They showed it here for a while. Yeah. I think they showed, they showed that one, Life on Mars, and there's another song by David Bowie, which I'm drawing a blank on right now. That is the theme for the other show. And uh, I think it's the same character, if I'm not mistaken, or it's a lady character as a, as a detective who goes through the same sort of thing. And it's it's weird because, like, they got all this sort of knowledge from, like, you know, 30 years of police work, and they're back in the 70s, you know, being, you know, put upon and misogynated and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm, yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's interesting. Cool. Uh, Jaime, you have something about the endgame? Yeah, we're still tracking the box office of this. And as of this article from The Verge, uh, Endgame has earned more than $2 billion worldwide. And when I double-checked with Box Office Mojo, they're claiming worldwide total of $2.2 billion. Only, which, what, 98 more billion to go? Or uh, quite a bit. Billion, or, well, not billions, but um, but hundreds of millions. Because it looks like Avatar has $2.7 I'm talking billion. about Pokemon with $90 billion in the bank. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, right. No, okay, yeah, I, I get that. But as far as Avatar goes, I think, although this article doesn't make it clear, I'm going to assume this is not um, inflation-adjusted dollars. So this has quite a bit mm-hmm. to go to match even the sort of normal straight-up dollars and then to uh, do adjusted dollars from, what, like 20 years ago? Oh, sorry, Avatar is uh, uh, like 10 years ago, probably? So Avatar's still the number one movie of, of all time? Sort of thing? It's the number one grossing as far as overall actual money, but... Uh, um, I think the the adjusted by inflation, I think it's still like gone with the wind or something. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just because, of, again, it played in theaters for like half a year. Sure. And everybody in the world saw it. So Yeah, but movies yeah. did that back then. I, I don't know if I ever talked about this, but like, you know how movies are like in the theaters for a week, maybe two, three or four, if they're lucky. Back yeah. then, movies would be in the theater for like, like months, you know, on end. Because I guess there weren't that many of them. I don't know, but yeah, and I think you know they were you they wouldn't come to you know VHS or you know there was no home VHS, video yeah. or on the demand or streaming. So they had if you wanted to see a movie, you had to go to the theater to see it, right? Yeah, I, I was just actually telling um, I was talking with uh, Xavier and one of his friends recently, and um, you know they were talking about how they envy the era in which I grew up, where all these great no. movies came out in the seventies uh, and eighties. And I said, yeah, except that you know I had to go to the theater to see everything and. They said, well, how many times did you see Star Wars in the theater? 
together and I said, dozens. And they said, why would you see it dozens of times? I said, because that was the only way to see it. You know, we didn't have on demand. Like I couldn't watch it on my phone. I had to go sit in the theater. And every Saturday, my mom would say, you have a choice. You can go to the fabric store and grocery shopping, or I can drop you at the movie theater and you can watch a double bill of Star Wars and Empire. So that's what I did. And it wasn't until Laserdisc, like Star Wars, Star Wars came out on Laserdisc. And Laserdisc was super expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, it was a high, like a high fidelity, you know, movie, what do you call a movie of file or audio file kind of, what do you call those people who are into movies high end? Hmm. Any movie fans? Uh, the other thing about those two is that both Laserdiscs and original VHSs, they weren't for ownership. They were rentals. So they, they were really, really expensive. So if you wanted to own a copy of those during the first, you know, 10 years that VHS and beta and laser discs were around, they were like a hundred bucks a pop. Yeah, they were yeah. crazy expensive. Yeah. So even then you, you know, I think a lot of us got really good at the old, yeah, uh, yeah, the VCR up to the VCR <laughs> trick and you made yourself your own copy of it because yeah, even just purchasing a copy was, was prohibitively expensive. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. You're up next time, I think. Yeah. In the quest to collect them all with streaming services voodoo is talking about what it's doing uh recapping the fact that it's going to do a um original series based on mr mom which i think was the michael keaton version yeah, yeah. I was thinking. uh they're going to be doing a lot of other shows including um friends in strange places um which apparently has queen latifah as an executive producer a science fiction series called albedo uh with uh evangeline Lilly from ant-man and the wasp also turning point with randy jackson the interview documentary series uh adventure force 5 which is a movie about a, uh, a band of tech-minded teenagers who saved a town from aliens. A weekly entertainment magazine with Variety called Variety's First Look. Uh, apparently, also, they're going to test an interactive show because that's sort of the hot new thing uh, post-Netflix Bandersnatch. And a remake of Blue's Clues, which will be interesting, I think. Yeah, Blue's Clues and you. Hmm. Yeah, who, who'd have thunk it? And are you signing up for that service, Jaime, in your long uh, collection of, of services? Anything there appeal to you that you would want to commit to that? Probably not, unless it was included as part of like something like it, it's so weird because uh, Walmart owns um, Voodoo and Walmart is pushing really hard to compete sort of omni-channel with Amazon, right? Coming from the opposite direction where they have a whole bunch of grocery stores, retail stores out there in the world and they're trying to go online and they're trying to merge that together. So if they had like a Walmart Prime that made sense, maybe I might end up picking it up as part of that and giving these a shot. Uh, probably more seriously, I'd want to check out the um, uh, the science fiction series Albedo maybe the Mr. Mom series and if Blue's Clues ends up being a live action <laughs> remake like Sonic the Hedgehog that we talked about last time and let they go and watch that one just out of morbid curiosity yeah so when Jonathan first met his wife um, Sherry you know she went he must have mentioned to her that he collected comic books and her first comment upon seeing his collection was hmm that's a lot of comics which leads us to our next story Jaime without judgment she said this <laughs> just a statement that's what, I knew I, that's what I knew I could marry her when she said that with it completely without judgment it wasn't like oh my god that's a lot of comics it was just hmm, that's a lot of comics yeah apparently there's uh, a benefactor who has uh, decided to give their library of 180,000 comics including avengers number one to the mm. uh the first usc as people from there tend to tell me um university of southern carolina oh, sorry university of south carolina pardon oh really hmm. yeah and uh this article answers the question of like why would a university even accept this what's what's the point and uh, I think beyond sort of the archivist sort of thing that libraries and universities will tend to do, um, they want to do some research on this and see like, you know, what were, what are the themes that they can find around race, politics, and gender from all of these different eras? 
And I think a collection like that makes it pretty obvious, right? Because the media that we consume tends to reflect some aspect of where we are as a society at that point in time. And, and did no one tell them that they could do that for like five ninety five a month uh, by getting a Marvel <laughs> Unlimited subscription or... Including Al- <laughs> Avengers number one, Jonathan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's a lovely notion, but I mean, really, it's 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 a it's a large financial bequest. They're, they're ending up with this massive collection that will appreciate, and that's not a bad thing to have as an asset for a university either. I suddenly don't think that they're going to be like, well, you can check out this copy of Avengers number one from the library. Oops, I forgot to return it. No. It'll probably go into the rare books collection, I'm, I would think, right? Yeah. I, I wonder if, uh, you know, what the fate of the collection was, will be, if it's going to be something ex- accessible to staff and students, or if it's going to be something that you'll have to, uh, you know, there'll be a security guard who walks you in and you, lets you look at it. That's what I think. The, the special like collections gloves. type thing that Tim talks about, where you have to do, um, at the very least, the the special gloves, right? So when you, when you touch the paper, you're not destroying it. It's probably going to be preserved in uh, acid-free, um, I don't know, plastic, I guess. I don't know what, what the, the latest and greatest is for preserving comic books. And then mm-hmm. you probably also have to do the research on site, right? Like oh, you can just like, yeah, take yeah. this home and take it to the bathroom while you're writing your doctorate, right? Yep. The, uh, one of the, the highlights of my uh, uh, pop culture covering career was when uh, a friend of mine who worked in communications at DC Comics, uh, when I was in New York City, he said, come by and I'll, I'll give you the tour. And one of the, the uh, premier things to see there was the vault. And the vault had their collection of rare comic books and antiquities, original art and all these different things. And uh, there's literally, you know, men with guns standing next to it. And it's got like a, you know, two foot thick steel door that closes up at the end of every day. And but I mean, it must have had, you know, I mean, some of it's incalculably valuable. It's, you know, original Jack Kirby artwork. And, you know, like they had the original for the um, uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali and, you know, like unbelievable stuff in this collection. But uh, yeah, you, you literally had to be watched at all times when you were in the room because, yeah, they had like while I was standing there, they showed me the comic that was like the first appearance of Wonder Woman and the first appearance of, you know, all these different characters. It's it's astonishing what this collection has. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get my hands on, uh, you know, 80, 180,000 comic collection and just spend, you know, a few days in there. Cool. Hey, by the way, just sidebar here. Um, so I got this really rare Macintosh manual, Jonathan, and mm. the boys on the other podcast were saying that I should put it in some sort of bag that's like, you know, not a Ziploc bag. Right. So I don't know what, what, what does one do with that. Yeah, you can get acid-free bags. I mean, oh, yeah. depending on the size of it, you can get different bags. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some links. There's there's some... Okay. It, there's plenty of options for ways to preserve these things so that they don't deteriorate. Right, right. Okay, cool. Which brings us to one of the comic books I used to read when I was a kid, which is Spider-Man. Yeah. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, we got our first look this week at uh, at, at the post-Endgame uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we got the first full uh, trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, we, we had gotten the trailer before, which is, was more of a teaser kind of trailer with the showed us a little bit of uh, Mysterio and, and uh, you know, Peter going on his adventures in Europe. This time, uh, you know, again, spoilers for those who haven't tuned in to uh, watch the Endgame yet, but we really got to look at uh, at sort of the, the aftermath. So, you know, the, the trailer shows Peter in his, uh, you know, sort of post-Endgame funk where it's five years later and his, you know, he's mourning the loss of Tony Stark and he's, um, you know, not in a good place, it seems, and is reconnecting with his friends who clearly all also died during the the snapping um so the trailer is pretty interesting and it drops a few 
few real sort of uh, tantalizing ideas out there. Um, the one that really caught my eye was uh, the discussion that Nick Fury has, where Nick basically says, you know, we need your help. We've got this problem. The, the snaps, the three snaps that happened, the one that Thanos did and the one that Hulk did and the one that Tony did, have actually uh, sent split a hole in uh, dimensions. And so now there's the multiverse for us to explore. So the idea is that Mysterio is from this other dimension. That opens up a whole lot of interesting possibilities, I think, for storytelling for where they could go with the MCU over the next 10 years. If they're going to have a multiverse, that opens the door to how they can bring the X-Men aboard or Fantastic Four or other things. Or it could just be that Mysterio is a lying weasel because we know he's a villain and that this is not the case and that he didn't come from an alternate dimension. He's just a bad guy. You know, you just spoiled it for me because I was going to ask you, is Mysterio a villain? Because I, I kind of got the gist that he, I always thought he was, right? Yeah, he was in that old 1960s uh, um, Amazing Spider-Man cartoon, the, the Spider-Man cartoon, rather, um, that we all used to watch when right, we were kids. Right. But he never looked as um, good as Jake Gyllenhaal, though. No, no, n- there's no way to render that in a cartoon, how good Jake looks. Um, but no, he used to You have this sort of domed he- helmet and stuff, but the costume is pretty bang on. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how they're playing it, if this is all just sort of an elaborate ruse or if this is, you know, the actual case. But it's uh, either way, it's compelling. And uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they deal with this sort of fallout from from Endgame. The, the um, Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers have said this is actually the final film in this phase. So uh, while Endgame feels like the end, uh, this movie is actually meant to be the bookend to this sort of phase of Marvel films. And uh, we actually got news this week that uh, they have announced that the next phase of films, the slate, will be announced uh, probably right after that, right after that movie comes out in July. So does that mean that that all the current stars are going to go away and we have a new round of storytelling? Is that the idea? Well, so uh, I, I, I guess this is a good spot to segue. So maybe I'll, I'll just jump ahead for a second here. So um, one of the things that was announced this week was, D- uh, so was uh, Disney's slate of movie releases over the next several years. So they announced uh, when the new Star Wars movies are coming out. They announced when the Avatar movies are coming out. And they announced the dates in which they're releasing all the, the Marvel movies, but didn't announce which Marvel movies are being released on which dates. So right. so we know the dates that all the Marvel movies are coming out between now and 2022 or 2023, mm-hmm. but we don't know which movie goes in which spot. Right, right. Uh, the, the Black Widow movie is supposed to start filming first. The expectation is that that's going to come out next May. Um, but then the other ones that fit into that slate will be Doctor Strange 2, Captain Marvel 2, uh, Shang-Chi, which we talked about, the, the Kung Fu movie. Um, was the other ones? Probably Guardians Black of the Panther Galaxy 2. 3, Black Panther 2. Yeah, so there's like six six or so movies that sort of fit into that sort of slate mm-hmm. over the next few years. We know that, that they are coming out, but they haven't confirmed uh, which one's going in which spot and what the order is. The expectation is Guardians will be the last one because James Gunn has to finish doing Suicide Squad before he can move over and start doing that again. Um, so yeah, we're going to see those movies, how they all intertwine, how they all tie together, if they there is a thematic thing that loops them all together in the same way that we've had this sort of Infinity Stone saga uh, over the first 22 films is unclear. But I think we'll get a little more clarity once we start that phase or, or maybe even if we get a little teaser at the end of um, Spider-Man. Hmm. And, and just to stay on that uh, overall subject. So Star Wars, we had talked about the the uh, 
uh, the wear down, right? We were talking about how people were getting a little burned out because they're releasing a Star Wars movie every single year, and it was kind of ruining the the specialness of the Star Wars franchise. And uh, they wanted to reevaluate what they were going to do with those Star Wars stories and how they were going to do this. So one of the things that they announced last week or this week was that um, Star Wars is going to go on hiatus. So this year, 2019 in December, we're going to see the end of the Skywalker saga and Rise of Skywalker. Uh, after that, we're not going to see another Star Wars movie until December 2022, three-year hiatus. And then we're going to get into a cycle where Star Wars films and Avatar films are going to alternate years every year for the next seven years. Right, right. So it's, uh, yeah, 2022 is Star Wars, 23 is Avatar, 24 is Star Wars, 25 is Avatar, 26 is Star Wars, 27 is Avatar. Right. So uh, it's fun. I saw a really funny article on uh, io9 had a, a great piece where somebody said, uh, Disney's new movie slate has got me thinking about my own mortality, where you they're literally, <laughs> they're talking about movies that are coming out eight years from now. And you you start thinking like, how, how, how old am I going to be in eight years? Where am I going to be? What's going to be happening in my life? Eight years, like such a long time to be slated out on these movies. But uh, yeah. yeah a, friend of, a friend of mine mentioned that too the other day. And, and, uh, and my response to him was that I was 17 when the first Star Wars movie came out and I'll be buying the seniors discount ticket when the last one comes out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they've also in there, they've announced the, the finally set a date for the New Mutants, uh, which is the last Fox um, uh, X-Men type movie that's being released. Uh, that's coming now. It's slated for April 3rd, 2020. Um, that one had originally made, uh, was originally supposed to be out this spring. Then it was supposed to be out this summer. Now they've moved it to the next spring. Uh, so obviously a lot of faith in that movie. Um, and they've still got, save us all, they've still got uh, an Indiana Jones movie. Indiana Jones Part 5 is still slated for July 9th, 2021. So is that Indiana Jones on the Chrome Walker? Yes, and the Walker of Doom. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's quite an ambitious slate. And then, again, we knew this was all coming because they were going to have to amalgamate what they were already doing with the Fox work that was already being done. Avatar, obviously, five sequels. So it's actually 2021 is the first Avatar. So Avatar 2 is coming in 2021 and Avatar 5 is coming in 2027. Yeah, it's a bit ambitious when so, you think about it. Because, I mean, like Avatar, Avatar was a good movie in its, in its on its own. But how do we know, how can we be assured that Avatar 2 won't be another solo effort? Uh, well, I guess it'll be an interesting, I guess if, if it makes almost $3 billion at the box office, they figure it's worth taking a gamble that people want to see much more of it, not a little more of it. Yeah. Plus, they're doubling down by doing Avatar theme parks and, you know, in typical Disney fashion, I'm sure we're going to get, you know, all the spinoffs and cartoons and TV series and product placement and everything else. So uh, I guess I guess they have faith. Or when are they going to do uh, Titanic 2, I wonder? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if they could find a way to monetize it, you know they would. Yes, I'm sure they would. All right. Okay, so we've skipped all over the place here. I'm lost now. Um, I guess we'll talk. Uh, so yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, is, I, need, is, I need a coffee next. break here, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I'll start with Game of Thrones. The the There was a story this week that uh, the final two episodes, they haven't leaked, but the information for what happens in the final two episodes has leaked. La, 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 la. Got my fingers in my ears. La, 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 la. Yeah, I, I haven't looked. I don't know if you guys have read this. I haven't looked. Uh, I don't want to be spoiled that way, but uh, apparently um, the way that they've corroborated that this is likely true, that these spoilers are legitimate, is that the people that have spoiled these things were bang on accurate over their spoilers previously for the previous two episodes, and so they're saying, well, if they knew that, then they probably know this. So if you're interested there, Spockcasters, uh, Spockcast fans, you can go and apparently you can find out 
before it ends, how it ends, so you can, you know, go win some gambling pools or something. But, uh, mm. yeah, it's it's sort of weird and sad. I, I just, uh, I, if you've come this far, I can't believe that you'd want to be so impatient to know that you would do that to yourself, but apparently it's out there. So, you know, just to interject here, I, I saw an article a couple of weeks last week when I was away, and I thought about, I, I was going to clip it, and I'll have to go see if I can dig it up. Maybe if I can't find it for this show notes, I'll find it for next week, but... But it was a study that had found that um, being spoiled, like having having a plot or whatever spoiled, uh, doesn't actually um, ruin your experience. Like it actually it actually makes things a little easier to take in some ways, right? That's what this study had found, right? So I'll have to find that link. It was kind of interesting, an interesting take on the whole spoiler thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you remember, John, we used to go rent movies together, and I would not want to read the back cover of the of the the, the VHS case because they often gave away too many plot points right or you know yeah so yeah well i know people who are that way about trailers they just yeah. they don't even want to see the trailers because trailers nowadays especially because they do two or three or four trailers for each movie plus they do tv commercials and everything else you can pick up a lot i mean i i had some pretty good instincts confirmed for things like endgame because they were all right there on the on the trailers and the tv commercials so. right right yeah but but you know what i mean like if you see something in a trailer and then you you're sitting in the movie and you see that in the movie your brain kind of goes you kind of get a satisfied feeling okay that's how that fits into the story right like not how i how i envisioned it would kind of thing right mm-hmm. you know like even the difference between the spider-man trailer which we just watched now and the one that we saw like you know, a month ago or whatever right there's quite a different take on the two I and mean, we know he's going on a school trip but but a different take on them right mm-hmm. yeah and speaking of game of thrones speaking of game of thrones and coffee breaks <laughs> are we talking about uh daenerys stormborn yeah the, versus uh, the cup of coffee yeah <laughs> drinker of pumpkin spice yeah <laughs> Yeah, is that on her tags now? Drinker of pumpkin spice? Yeah, this this person has a tweet of uh, Daenerys Stormborn of House Targaryen, first of her name, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, Protector of the Seven Kingdoms, the Mother of Dragons, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Chains, and Drinker of Pumpkin Spice. <laughs> yeah, that's Which, funny because that's I put that comment in myself on, in our, no, our notes, and I also posted last week uh, or just couple, I think yesterday actually in Twitter without any reference. I just sort of said, I wonder what Amelia Clark is going to be remembered for. Yeah, which leads us to this story mm-hmm. yeah it's it's wild that in this um this feast in the latest episode um in the background you have daenerys and there's like a starbucks cup of coffee like a to-go cup that you would get just just there completely unseen yep. by all the production assistants by the producers directors the actors themselves nobody noticed it went up on the actual stream for the episode uh fast forwarding to today they by now have actually removed it uh, digitally but it's it caused quite the quite the fervor when people started mm-hmm. tweeting and retweeting this online oh yeah people were having a really good time there was a lot of fun memes out there i i have to admit i did not notice this when i was watching live no because the tables were covered with mugs and cups and stuff and you're looking at the characters faces because they were all giving each other side eyes yeah yeah <laughs> Well, it's, and it's funny. I, I'm surprised that they. I'm surprised, well, I guess they, they they felt they had to. They, it's digital times and all that kind of stuff, and this doesn't exist in any sort of celluloid format or whatever. So they can they can go in and edit it. I heard, had heard that the Apple the version on iTunes hasn't been edited yet or fixed up yet. So I don't know. It's, it's weird. Sort of. It's George Lucas again, right? Yep. I, I think it's just. Ooh, so that's a good question, Tim. So quick thirty seconds. What is your opinion of doing a fix like they had to do in this case? Yeah, 
so what do they do? Turn it into like a, a Stein of some a Starbucks Stein instead of a. I think they erased it completely. Oh, okay, yeah. So, d- where does that fall in the in the spectrum of um, artist intention versus now we have this power to fix these sorts of things? Well, I know that I know that there are scenes in um, in several movies actually where there's like you know asteroids flying by and, and uh, R2D2 is one of the asteroids and I think the Millennium Falcon is one of the asteroids. I'm trying to think of what movies I've seen them in. I know in in um, Phantom Menace when they're going through the junkyard is you can see the pod from 2001 Space Odyssey in the junkyard. Uh, whether that was placed there on purpose or not, but I mean like I, I get that I get it that it's you know it's not like there was a burning cigarette or something, but but that kind of sort of what it is, right? I mean um, there's a whole series there's a whole job in in movie making called art direction. I think it's art direction or continuity, right? Where that mm-hmm. the person is responsible for making sure that the hair is in the right position and if somebody has a cigarette, for instance, as they go from one scene to the other, it's sort of burned down to the same amount, or the amount of beer in the in the, the glass that the character is drinking is all is relatively the same as it was. And often it bothers a lot of people because when they see things, you know, from one scene to another, where they, you know, the hair on the head and forehead moves and that kind of stuff, right? Um, but I don't know. I mean, do you, do you real? I mean, I guess I I think the point is that, that people are saying is that they spent so much money making these movies or these these yeah, movies. They're practically movies, right? These TV shows that, you know, it's a small thing, but yeah, they, why couldn't they fix that? If they can spend all the time on the dragons making them look so realistic and, you know, burping and belching and whatever the dragons do, but if they spend all that time on them, why wouldn't they spend that much time on, on this scene? And I could see from the, as you know, you and I both know, Jaime, we're both coders, right? And, and you know, when you're working with the code, you may not see something that, uh, you know, in a peer review, someone might get caught or, you know, quality control or, or maybe the guy who's doing the color mixing on the on the final mix of the image you know or the f- the film footage or soundtrack people nobody noticed right and because it's well, they, small and it's insignificant right they said in the inside the episode special this week that um this was the first episode of the season too the uh, first first uh scene that they filmed of the season that they started filming so this. they had tons of time to fix this and catch it right so well that or again you could just say that like they weren't on their full game yet because apparently that was one of the first things they filmed uh when they all came back to work to start shooting this season was that feast right and so someone you know was just like uh back off my vacation i'll just put my cup here it'll be fine yeah rolling yeah, yeah. i don't know it's, it's just really weird to me because normally there are like continuity people yeah. that try to make sure things look the same and it's not like the era of putting this on film where oh you know this was the best take and when it came back from the processor like a day later we, we didn't even notice it or mm-hmm. or it was too late i mean these they saw this live um or like immediately after the live take and be like oh yeah that's good M- move on let's let's do another scene right. somewhere else i'm a little surprised that nobody said hey wait a minute there's something wrong here let's, let's redo that one well the north remembers so uh <laughs> the north the north remembers your coffee cup <laughs> yeah you can delete it from your screen but we'll remember that yeah, coffee cup exactly, was there exactly you can you can you can't hide that one from us that'll, that'll go down the lore you know but uh yep. what, what print do you have of uh, of uh, game of thrones do you have the one with the coffee cup in it or not right well if it's still on your pvr that's a that's a you got to find a way to transfer that because oh, that true. copy doesn't exist anymore yeah no you're right it is oh no i don't know about pvr but if you well if you had downloaded it from netflix or or wherever it is what oh it's hbo can you download from oh, it's HBO? crave yeah crave can you download from from them i think you can right you can but i think it, it only lasts for a portion of time i, I think you only get right, it for a, right. a while right well that's interesting all right so what's next you space command me oh this is this is an odd one I, this this came in through our um uh 
uh, ask me how I discovered this. Well, I just I'll, let me tell you. Um, I got an email from um, a comment on our our Spotcast website, and it came in from a, a, a supposed reader, but it's actually from one of the people involved in the production of a TV show or a show. I don't know if it's going to be streamed or whatever called Space Command, and apparently they're they're happily filming various episodes. And the the headline of the article was that Nichelle Nichols has just finished shooting a bunch of scenes in this movie or in this this sh- this show, right? And um, the clip I have here that was also in the email it shows Doug Jones, you know, of Star Trek Discovery, and Robert Picardo of Star Trek Voyager, Voyager, um, in a scene together. And you know, it, it, at the point where this um, this clip starts, it's the two of them talking to each other, and it goes on to to show on and. Um, if I if I can be honest, would you like me to be honest here, folks? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a little rough around the edges, but it's a pilot, I suppose. Um, hopefully, and the, you know the 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 base scenes look interesting, but it's got that sort of you know I don't know what was that what, other Roddenberry show that was out there for a while with Tarzan in it. Forgotten um, Andromeda. Andromeda, yes. right? Yeah, you know how yeah. Andromeda never quite had it. Sort of had a, a sort of a weird edge to it. it. Wasn't you know or or Babylon Five? You know they were interesting stories, and there was a little bit of you know, invisible rubber and that kind of stuff, you know, um, like the polish wasn't there, like, like you would expect in a Star Trek, for instance, right? I mean, even, even, yep. even, um, Orville, I can't believe I'm saying this, but even, even Orville has a better polish than this show. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what, what becomes of it, if it actually goes anywhere. But I, I just thought I would put it in here as a, I'm interesting, since we're a Star Trek podcast, it makes sense for us to talk about the fact, you know, what's Nichelle Nichols up to these days? Apparently she's mm-hmm. working in a, working in this show. So, so we'll keep our eyes over. You said it's out in July. So yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a well. There's a whole vid- this whole video isn't just um, this this pilot, but it's introduced by the by the show creator, I guess, showrunner, and he's got he talks at the end of it too about and he's got some scenes from the upcoming episodes as well. So um, it, I guess it's 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 almost like well, what was that other fan one we saw the or not the fan one the um, talked about it last season. It was another Star Trek that had Kirk and Spock, and it was the one that filled in between the original series and Next Generation. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, fan ones, no? yeah, wasn't it? Fan made? something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So a similar one. Um, yeah. So the, so I, you know, it's it's an interesting interesting take on on sci fi. It's a different story than than any of these other universes. So oh, have to keep an eye on it. Mm. That's all I got to say about that. So speaking of leaks, I may. Yeah, the uh, the fine folks at Warner Brothers have, have had some fun. So if you're aware of the fact that sometimes movies, entire movies, will leak onto YouTube prior to the film's release, mm-hmm. um, a supposed Detective Pikachu full movie leaked onto YouTube. But if you end up watching that, it turns out to just be an hour, 42 minutes, and 53 seconds of Detective Pikachu dancing to 80s workout music. And apparently it's Ryan Reynolds too. Motion capture. I right? don't know. Is that what it said on the? Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I read I read an article about it. I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if it's looped or what. I, I, I just skipped through it a couple of times. You know, to see. I don't can't imagine him. I don't know if he'd do a motion capture for an hour and a half. But who does that? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Um, That's a way to milk a joke. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But yeah, but it, it's, it's interesting. It's 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 funny. Yeah. That's good. You you have to wonder if there's going to be you know more of those kind of things you know there are so many so many people looking for spoilers and leaks and all these other things it really is a good opportunity to do some marketing yeah for sure sure right uh so i've got a couple things um the news came out today that uh the batwoman series has been picked up by the cw uh we got the backdoor trailer for for uh batwoman this fall that just passed with the crossover the annual crossover between the arrowverse series on there 
so Arrow, Flash, and um, Supergirl. Uh, this is um, of note because it will uh, essentially be the replacement in the lineup for Arrow, which is going to end after uh, uh, the shortened season that's coming up this fall. Mm-hmm. And it's also of note because the primary character is gay. So it'll be the first uh, sort of main character headlined uh, uh, superhero tale with a, a featured gay character, uh, which leads me into my next one, which is uh, this This came from uh, Entertainment Weekly today. And I thought this was interesting that the uh, Marvel Universe is apparently going to get its first major step towards LGTB, LGBTQ uh, representation. So the Russo brothers uh, revealed to EW that uh, that a major character is going to be revealed as gay in an upcoming film. Hmm. And uh, they said that there will be uh, it's going to be someone who's openly gay. And um, they said that there would probably be more to follow after that. So the speculation is now on as to uh, who the major gay character is. Hmm. Anybody want to take a guess? Which is this? Which show is this? Or what series? Uh, so this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, okay. It's going to basically be so uh, it's safe to assume it's not Captain America or Iron Man or uh, or Black Widow because they're all dead. Um, hmm. it, I guess the question is, uh, are there characters who didn't have romantic arcs uh, previously? Not that that's a prohibitive thing because obviously people can be uh, uh, sexually fluid, but the question is, is there is there somebody who's sort of outstanding? My first immediate thought went to Captain Marvel because there mm. is a no romantic subplot to her story. It's not relevant to her. Hmm. So that seemed like an easy one to sort of explore. Right, right. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's good and it's timely and it's, you know, as we've been talking about how it was great to see a step forward in uh, a primary uh, Black-centric character in Black Panther. We're going to get Shang-Chi, which is focused around an uh, Asian character. I think I think it's absolutely time for that. Interesting. Uh, and in our continuing review of uh, of the world of streaming services, I may take note. Uh, <laughs> Disney has apparently uh, announced. Uh, so Bob Iger revealed to the Hollywood Reporter that uh, he's interested in buying the rest of Hulu. Oh really? So we talked about this a few episodes back. That um, obviously they now have a majority stake. Disney does in in uh, Hulu because they had their original stake. Plus they had the stake that they got when they purchased Fox's assets. Um, so the other two remaining portions were one is 10% is owned by Warner and 30% is owned by um, Universal, NBC Universal. So apparently they're interested in uh, acquiring the NBC Universal portion and they have an option to purchase uh, uh, a portion of the uh, Warner piece as well. So it sounds like they're maneuvering to be the sole proprietors of Hulu in the not distant future. Mm. Which would, as we also talked about it would make sense because that would give them the disney plus service they could bundle it with the hulu service they also have espn plus um so they could start creating themselves a nice little uh, little monopoly on on required streaming services and it also gives them a more mature platform to partner up with the sort of more pg platform that they've been looking at for uh for disney plus they could do the the um you know the runaways and the and the ghost riders and the hellstroms and stuff like that on that on a Hulu and and do all the stuff that they want to do there. They could revive those, you know, Netflix type series with the Jessica Jones and things like that. Um, so yeah, it makes sense. But uh, I think it's going to cost them a couple of shekels. All right, nice. okay. And the last thing, uh, just this afternoon, we got the first teaser trailer, the first full teaser trailer for uh, Watchmen, the HBO Watchmen TV series. Uh, I have 
read that book I have numerous times. I uh, have seen the film adaptation. Uh, I have no idea what's happening in this trailer. Um, it may well be based on some of the spin-off stuff that DC has done over the past uh, six or seven years. Uh, but to me, it looks unrecognizable other than that sort of future dystopia type feel that it has. But uh, but it's HBO and uh, it's uh, Damon Lindelhoff and, and it looks like it's going to be good. So I think it's certainly worth a try, but uh, I can't say that you can tell anything from that one minute other than it looks weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts? No, I was just going to ask, like, how close to the, uh, was the movie adaptation to the to the book itself? Like, was it close or? Uh, it was close-ish. I, I mean, the challenge with those kind of works is that, you know, they are of their time. Uh, you know, we talked, I think, about this in the past, about V for Vendetta. Um, those Alan Moore stories from the 1980s that have gone on to become, uh, you know, now seminal works of, of graphic fiction. Uh, v for Vendetta, Watchmen, things like that. They they can be modernized, they can be updated, you can tell them as 21st century stories, but they're, they are about their time. They're about, you know, Thatcherism in the 1980s in England. They're about, uh, you know, the socioeconomics of the time, about the Cold War, about, you know, so many themes that are in there. Uh, you have to change them substantially and when you start doing that, and you and even the the technological advances, the the you know sociological advances, uh, the globalization advances, they are they are meant to be read with the mindset of when they were written, as you would do that with any work of of now forty or fifty or sixty year old art. Um, so it's not the same thing. It's not as good. It never will be. There's nothing they could do that would make it as good. But that's not to say they'll be bad. Right. Well, I, I didn't get the sense that when I watched Watchmen, it was of of any time in particular, but it was definitely sort of a, a distant time, you know? Yeah, I mean, the idea behind Watchmen was that it was supposed to take... Um, it, it, Alan Moore wanted to tell a story about using these certain certain uh, superheroes and put them into the future um, as to, you know, if they were these idyllic characters in the 1950s and 60s, you know, by the time they get to the 80s and they've lived through Vietnam and all these different things, what would they be like in that world? And from that perspective, it's awesome and it's amazing and it's brilliant and it's genius. Um, but again, when you fast forward that another 40 years in the future, um, you know, the storytelling medium is different. The, the the playing field is different. So it's, it's, it is a completely different thing. So how that gets told as far as the, the storylines here, what they do with that, where they go with that, I, I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, it's funny. It's like I heard a comment the other day. I think maybe we were talking about Doom Patrol and shows like that where, what was the other one? The other show that we watched recently was like Doom Patrol, um, the Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy, They don't have yeah. cell phones, right? They don't, you know, mm-hmm. they don't run around in, in sort of modern day, you know, they don't, they're not using Apple Pay and that kind of stuff, right? So um, it doesn't, and, and they don't fix any kind of sort of time to to that because they don't have those they're not using current technologies right whereas then you take yep. Sherlock on the other hand who had a BlackBerry right he was always texting yep. people and stuff like that right and half the you had to look up the TV show to catch the messages and things you know so um, but it's funny how even those things now seem weirdly dated, dated. Yeah. like I, my wife just watched Sherlock 
back in this last six months and she had never watched it before i watched it when it was on yeah. and for me it was genius and when she watched it she was like is that a blackberry <laughs> uh, yeah you know it's amazing how fickle we are with with technology in our in our placements now how quickly it can date things you know when you go from the era of flip phone to to blackberry to smartphone uh you know it, it really does cement in your mind especially for our people of our ages uh what was happening then and where you were and you know it's, sure. it's all recognizable time frames maybe 50 years from now it won't matter but right now it, it really dates things right right all right well i guess we're here let's uh let's dig into the pumpkin spice latte last of the pumpkin spice lattes mm-hmm. <laughs> so here we go game of thrones episode season eight episode four the last of the starks who's gonna do the recap i did not take notes for a recap but we can maybe we can talk about <laughs> we our, can just wing it we uh, can wing our it. thoughts of, of various I, things right we can wing it. yeah I, i've got notes of you i mean depends how fast you want to go at yeah, it yeah we want to go through quick I, I don't think we need to recap the whole episode for people we sort of talk about the high points like was it really necessary for um brianne and never mind and uh jamie you know yes to do that yes thing? it was you think it was i guess i, do. I don't know it's sort of sam and diane moment i can't that show got ruined cheers got ruined when yeah, but this this is, I mean, they kind of were making googly eyes at each other in season three, and it is nice to see that payoff, especially because, you know, that's literally the only woman outside of his sister Jamie's ever slept with. Like, that was, <laughs> that's big. Like, that's, the fact that he did that, that he felt that way, and that he cock-blocked Tormund to do it is, is, is yeah. you know, it's a, it's a moment. Oh, you think really the nighting was a cock-blocking, or? Oh, I think there was some there, but I don't think that's where his mind was, because they were all thought they were going to die, but, but I think this right. totally was. Right. But, uh, okay, so. So I think the bigger question is, how bad would that fire have smelled? Which fire? Yeah, the, the funeral pyre. Oh, the funeral yeah, pyre is yeah, the very yeah. beginning of the episode. So it opens yeah. with a funeral where they're all saying goodbye to the people, and then they all light the torches, and they pan out, and you see, because originally you just sort of see the first few, and you see the people you know. You see Jorah and, uh, and uh, you know, all the all the people who fell in battle, Beric, Dondarrion, and that. And then they pan back, and you see that it's, you know, there must be like, you know, 20,000 bodies burning. Yeah, true, uh, true. And I wonder, like, what what do they do? They have to stoke the fire after a little while, like to keep it going. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 vile. It's, it's just it's the most horrible. I, I as I was watching, I was like, oh, that's. <laughs> it, it didn't look like they were doing it the next day. Like by the time they gathered all those bodies right. and they put them right. out, would have been, been around for a few days. That, that would not have been a fun. I don't think anybody was kissing those bodies before they went. I don't well, know. But yeah, by the same token, though, you, you, you know, if this was Walking Dead, they would have to just you know they have to deal with those those bodies right away, kind of thing, right? So who knows? I mean, and we don't know what's the source of the the Night Walkers or whatever they're called. Night Walkers, what are they called? White Walkers. The white Walkers. Um, the Whites. Yeah. Like, what was the nature of their proclivities, and and did they have to dispatch these people like you know within twenty four hours or whatever? Right. Took a while. I'm sure it took a while yeah. to build the pyre too. Right. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. Like, that would be very very gross. Well, and I guess in winter time you can't dig too. Right. That's the other the other side of it. Right. Yeah, I I guess. Yeah. Plus, I think you know, as I think somebody pointed out online, I think all all bodies get burned from now on no matter how it plays out right. anybody dies on westeros yeah. they got to get burned from now on yeah yeah exactly exactly and, and then they go from there they go to that big party right they start off with the you know hey we all survived and then it turns into a bender yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly and people are so we end up with with like uh daenerys legitimizes gendry right and makes him a baratheon right. and we see the drinking game between Tyrion 
and Pod and Jamie and Brienne. Right. Uh, we get the the nasty looks going on at the head table as uh, as Sansa and Daenerys all uh, you know shoot daggers at one another. Yeah, I read an interesting story, and, and it will it'll probably come out a bit more as we go through this episode. But but the whole making Daenerys a villain all of a sudden, or making her you no know, like in her in her discussion with John about you know don't tell anybody and him saying you're my queen I'll do whatever you tell and she says I just told you don't tell anybody right and what's the first thing he does <laughs> yeah he tells somebody yeah. it goes full Stark and they tell full friends. Stark in the situation they so tell I have to yeah. tell people full Stark yep. full Stark well think about what undid his father his his uncle uh, in in the first season right yeah. he was a man of honor and he had to do the right thing and where did that get him it got him the head on the chopping sure, block yeah on the pike yeah. so yeah it's absolutely right full Stark is absolutely right this is the kind of you know stupidity slash honor that ends up getting people with their head chopped off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or in this case maybe dragon roasted sure. yeah and of course they're looking for Arya and she's nowhere to be found and halfway through the episode she shows well she did show up she does have a conversation well, with Gendry right he tries to propose yep, and yep Gendry decides that uh, yeah he's going to get a castle and he wants her to be the lady of the castle and she says mm, that's not me which is very very good for her character that's exactly what she, she you would expect she would do uh, although boy that's a that's a tough look for Gendry yeah yeah I guess yeah I love you. We just had sex. We survived this huge battle. Marry me. No. Well, it wasn't okay. quite no. She was like, you're a great guy and all that kind of stuff, but I just want to be friends, right? Well, she basically said, that's not me. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm never going to be the lady of a castle. I'm not going to give you a brood full of children. I'm a murderer and a, and a, I've got some work to do, basically. Yeah. She's, I guess you think she's still finishing off her list? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I think unquestionably, as, uh, as you were mentioning that scene, so... The next time we see Arya in the episode, she uh, sees the hound heading south on the King's Road, right. and she sidles up next to him on her horse, and he says, I'm going south, I have some unfinished business, and she says, me too. Right. And right. so he's clearly going to confront his brother for Clegane Bowl, the long, long-awaited Clegane Bowl, mm. and uh, she... I think is headed down to to say hello to Cersei. Yeah, yeah, and I love his line where he says to her, "Are you going to leave me for dead again?" And she says, "Probably, probably." Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it is nice. The season has been very excellent in the fan service department about people. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the little pairings. We got a moment with the Hound and Sansa. We've gotten the moments with Arya. You are getting these nice little paired up moments. You know, but those ones, like it's it's nice to see those characters together again. They, they you for, remember how good those episodes were. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think things come around. And of course, you know, half the army heads off towards the sea, right? And uh, they get ambushed. Yeah, splitting the army is always a good, that's always played out well in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. So you should definitely do that. Especially in the water. So yeah, yeah. Daenerys takes her dragons and uh, a bunch and Missandei and Grey Worm and they get on the boats and are going to sail for Dragonstone, which uh, for anybody who knows the geography of Westeros is like 10 miles out to sea from where King's Landing is. So it's right there. Right. Um, and then the rest of the army uh, of the Unsullied, Dothraki, and the Northmen, uh, led by John and Davos, are in on their horses headed down the King's Road towards there. Um, so yeah, we, we get the big ambush, right? We get this nasty ambush from Euron Greyjoy and the and the uh, Iron Fleet. And yeah, big surprise move there. Rhaegal takes three scorpion bolts and is dead. Right, yeah. But uh, yeah, didn't see that coming at all. Do you guys see that one coming? No, and, and it was kind of surprising 
amazing, like how you know, I don't know, kind of quickly the dragon was dispatched when you think about it, right? Yeah. What's your reaction to that one, Jaime? Yeah, I see where they needed to get to this point to make it so that it's less of a um, like an obvious win for the good guys, since they'll have you know the the twin nukes of the dragons to uh, attack King's Landing. Um, I think they pushed really hard in this episode in general to emphasize the personality weaknesses that Daenerys has. Mm-hmm. Right? She's definitely got a problem with being impatient. She definitely has a vengeful side. Oh yeah. That, that that came up, you know, quite a bit, right? So Sansa was like, hey, like we just exhausted ourselves fighting the dead. I don't think we should just immediately get up and turn around and go attack King's Landing. Like that's a bad idea. We should rest. Um and clearly Daenerys did not agree and marched on ahead, uh splitting up the army, as we mentioned. And and that causes some issues, right? There's even the advisors talking about like, well, what the heck are we gonna do? You know, we we know the truth about Jon Snow. because uh, everybody <laughs> Because Jon Snow told people who shouldn't have been told. <laughs> and then right, Sansa but makes Daenerys it worse doesn't know just, that he's told them, right? That's the thing. Daenerys doesn't know that he's told them. Right. No, she will uh, fairly soon, I think. But yeah, it's, it was a strange sort of series of events. And, and it was really, weirdly unsatisfying. Uh, I, I'd seen some criticism online, and I think it's very legitimate. And I felt it too. In the in the moment where uh, Jon is trying to decide, he's, he's basically gone to sort of say farewell to his family. And then he decides, okay, I'm going to tell them anyways, even though I told my my girlfriend I wouldn't do this, I'm going to do it anyways. But then he doesn't actually do it. He asks Bran to do it, and then we don't see what happens. We right, don't see yeah. what the reactions what, what are. Yeah. I felt cheated by that. I really did. I felt like I wanted to see what Sansa and, and Arya's reactions were to yeah. that information. Yeah. And I really felt like that scene, I, I understand there's a lot of storytelling to do and a lot of heavy lifting in this episode, but I really wanted to know, see the looks on their faces, see what their expressions were, hear what they had to say when they got that information right right yeah because i mean do they feel threatened by it you know they are they annoyed by it are they surprised by it yeah well and, and sansa you'd assume was like ha now i can i can figure a way out of having this this woman be our queen right. yeah um as evidenced by the follow-up scene which is her and Tyrion, and Tyrion basically says you know well you know what can you do she's going to be the queen and she says well actually yeah what if there's another yeah and she's she's implying john though isn't she in that in that statement she is yeah she is and then and then the follow-up to that is the conversation between uh Varys and Tyrion where basically Varys says you know well now it's not looking good uh Daenerys has shown some of her as Jaime mentioned some of her negative proclivities uh you know maybe we should be thinking about Jon on the Iron Throne people would support him better people seem to like him better um so that was one of the most Game of Thronesy kind of moments we've had in years with the two of them sort of conspiring to you know or we're talking about mutiny we're talking about sedition we're talking about you know betraying our queen um and then, of course, the the episode continues with the so the 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 scene that kills Rhaegal. They also the Iron Fleet basically trashes Daenerys's fleet by firing those scorpion bolts in there, uh, killing a bunch more of her people and uh, getting rid of her ships. And then uh, they also kidnap Missandei. And then the episode basically wraps up with uh, a parlay between Daenerys and, uh, and Tyrion and Cersei, where Tyrion basically pleads for her to surrender, lest they be riddled with dragon fire. Sure. 
and Circe tells the mountain to chop off Missandei's head, and he does, and and that's it. Yeah. So Daenerys now, in the last two episodes, has lost her two most faithful uh, uh, advisors in Jorah last week and Missandei this week. She still has Grey Worm, who will not be thinking with a clear head because he just lost his girlfriend. Right. Yeah. And uh, and she lost one of her dragons, so she's becoming extremely isolated as well. Well, that's what I mean about the sort of they're kind of pigeonholing her. But I want to come back to the the point about about her wanting to go and storm off right away. Well, if you think about it, her whole modus operandi has been that she's just kept moving forward, right? She's not mm-hmm. she's not slowed down. She's not given the the unsullied arrest, you know, in in any of her her battles, right? Did she ever did she ever kick back and celebrate after a, after a victory taking over a town? Well, no, but there was there was the the ongoing complaint during previous seasons where you know she was in marine for a long long oh, really? time. Yeah. People were getting really sick of that, where she was just dithering in marine for so long, and then they finally came over the ocean. Right. There was like two seasons there where they just sort of meandered in marine, um, and some of those stories were not great. Right. 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 Yeah, I mean, and the the I mean, we're not surprised that that Cersei did what she did. I mean, that's Cersei, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if she didn't do that, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, so the question becomes, you know, where do they go from here? I mean, I think you know the easy answer is next week's going to be a big fight. Um, you know, we know that Miguel Sapochnik, who did uh, who did episode three, our big uh, the last night, uh, um, uh, the long night rather, the long night uh, battle episode, is coming back to do the direction of next episode. Right. Okay. So so we know it's going to be a, a battle-heavy episode. We'd assume it's going to be the the Lannister forces, the the sacking of King's Landing, the big fight. So do we have three episodes um, left or two? Two, two episodes okay, left. Right. Um, so the next episode is directed by Miguel Sapachnik, and the last episode is by the series creators uh, Ben Hoff and Weiss. Hmm. So uh, safe to say, I think next one is going to be the the, the throwdown. We're finally going to get the Queen versus the Queen. Um, the question is, you know, who lives, who dies, how does it play out? Does Daenerys make it to the end? Does Drogon make it to the end? Um, you know, can anybody restrain Daenerys from brutally murdering everybody in town and or Cersei, who may or may not have supplies of wildfire stocked all over? That's true. I was just thinking, for... what resources does she have? Because we really haven't looked at that since, you know. Well, clearly they've been busy making scorpions, so there's a bunch right, of those. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, and Daenerys' army is pretty weakened by the fact that, you know, they lost half the Dothraki, half the Unsullied and a bunch of the support from the north. Uh, she's lost all her boats in this last, you know, flurry. Um, so, you know, they get weaker and weaker and they've gone from three dragons when she first came over to one dragon. Um, you know, as, as uh, Jaime says, the, the nuclear codes are, are, you know, going fast. A- and not to mention the fact that there's a new missile defense plan in, in place in King's Landing. So, right, right. Hmm. what do you think, Jaime? How does this play out? I'm not 100% certain, but I do know that I'm in the group of people who want a Drogon ghost buddy cop spinoff <laughs> <laughs> and as part of that i have to like think man i don't think john snow is fit for the throne yeah his treatment he didn't of say goodbye to his dog yeah <laughs> like, the, like there's the aspect of like all right like i'm obviously you know full disclosure biased as a dog owner so i was like oh i would never leave my dog like that right yeah but the other part is like well let's think back to the beginning of the episode why did daenerys uh bestow this baratheon gift on Gendry, and that was to help solidify 
having an ally somewhere, yep. right? Yep. And and Jon Snow and and like all the Starks are really really bad at doing this. <laughs> at least the men are, right? Um, and so you know, it even just kind of shows like, dude, like you, you got to go, you know, show some affection and, and show companionship to the person who was by your side this whole time. And if that's the way you're going to run the kingdom, like you're going to get a knife in the back at some point. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, I guess the flip side of that is that we we he didn't say goodbye to his his dire wolf, which is is not good form. And there was a lot of people out there who were a little a little ticketed at him and, and justifiably. But he does also he says goodbye to Tormund, who says he's taking his uh, the wildlings up back up north. He says goodbye to Sam and Gilly, and Gilly reveals she's pregnant. So he, he gets those like tearful goodbyes. I guess there's only so many tearful goodbyes you can do in a row before it becomes uh, tedious. Although I think I'd rather have seen him say goodbye to the dire wolf than one of them probably. But but uh, you know it was there there felt like some finality in the north uh, in the in the, in the episode too. That that maybe that's the last we'll see of those characters too. Interesting. No more wolf. No more Sam and Gilly. No more Tormund. It's gone back to lie with the giant women. Yeah. <laughs> right. But who knows? Maybe maybe Ghost will show up and save the day in the end. There. Who knows? Somehow I think he's gone to go uh, into the great uh, farm in the north. Yeah, I don't know. But doesn't Ghost save John a few times and just out of nowhere? He does. You're on. Yeah. 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 Saves him from that white that's going to kill him. That's how he ends up with uh, impressing the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Right. 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 All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens next week. You know, the big, mm-hmm. the big two episodes to finale, go. It's exciting. Finale. Two of them. Two to go. All right. Let's move on to the Orville. Um, the Orville. This is the finale, right? Season finale. The last two episodes of the Orville. The la- yeah. The last two episodes we haven't talked about sure. since uh, since they had them on the air. So I, I threw my notes in mm-hmm. here, but I don't know how far we want to get into this stuff. But we can basically summarize it as uh, Orville uh, did two Star Trek episode homages. Yeah. Um, they didn't do them badly. As a matter of fact, I thought they were actually decent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the first one was uh, uh, yesterday and yesterday and yesterday episode thirteen. They did the homage to the TNG episode uh, episode season six episode twenty four second chances. That's the one where uh, there's two Will Rikers. This one was the two Kellys. Uh, so the commander uh, there ends up basically transporting a version of Kelly from the past to the Orville. She ends up uh, in this weird situation where uh, current Kelly doesn't want to date uh, Ed anymore. So she does, and they end up going on dates, and it's very weird. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get too. I'm not going to digress yeah, too that, much into that, this. The that idea was just is basically because if you think about it, he he already knows tons about her, and she knows nothing about him. That 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 was yeah, it was very weird. So so in the idea of the episode is that uh, at the end of the episode, they send her back into the past and they wipe her memory so that she can't remember what's happening, so she doesn't have a vision of her own future. Uh, but at the end of the episode, the twist is that it didn't work. The memory wipe didn't work. And instead of going back and continuing her life normally, where she ends up dating Ed, marrying Ed, and their careers play out the way they were, she says no, and it creates a, an alternate timeline. Um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So then we start uh, episode 14, The Road Not Taken, which is a ripoff of uh, Star Trek TNG episode six, uh, season six, episode 15, Tapestry. Uh, this is the one where uh, we're basically, um, you know, gone into the, the alternate timeline, what what would have happened if so this is tapestry was about how uh if picard hadn't been stabbed through the chest mm-hmm. if he hadn't been so brash what would have happened and then we see the type of person they would have been if he hadn't made that decision in this case it's uh you know kelly makes that decision and has ripples through the timeline it turns out that the kalons uh swiped out half the universe uh because there was no ed there to stop them because ed didn't become a, become a captain because ed didn't have kelly 
differently and all the circumstances played out differently. Um, uh, episode is noticeable, uh, noticeable, notable because uh, we got to see the return of Halston Sage as Alara mm-hmm. in probably the worst and most wasted cameo I've ever seen in any show <laughs> of all time. Yeah, no, um, I'm not going to come with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they brought her back. She shows up in a dun-dun-dun right before the commercial moment. Yeah. She's in like four minutes after that and then says, ah, you guys have a good trip. I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the stupidest, worst cameo I've ever seen in, in, in anything I've ever watched. Right. What a waste to bring her back for that. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> uh, the end of basically the episode, again, it's a good episode. It's really interesting how they play the timeline. Uh, they go basically go back to Earth. They find the Orville. They uh, reverse it. They send the uh, Kelly and the doctor back into the past uh, or they send the doctor back into the past to basically reset Kelly's mind. It works and time continues on normally theoretically from there. And that's the end of the season. Wait. So the uh, doctor goes back, resets yeah. Kelly. Yeah. What happens to this future Kelly on this new timeline? The whole timeline disappears. That's the idea is that, that because they set the doctor back from there, that that resets the timeline and everything continues forward in that timeline from there. Now, again, I, my head still hurts from last week's discussion about time. Yeah. So, so so this is, this is like uh, like I, I listened to that episode again. So this is like the the uh, um, Hulk conversation with the Ancient One, where maybe the Doctor was always supposed to go back and wipe her memory, and this that's that's the one. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So you can, well, yeah. All right. So first, I guess <laughs> I like we'll, your last we'll, statement oh, here. It works the end. It works the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, much ado about nothing, right? Like that's yep. it was it was good. I thought the both episodes were were sort of interesting. Um, in their way um not done badly at all i thought there was they were enjoyable the the kalon flying detachable laser heads were really good mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. why didn't they use those before that's my question i know well that's that's well, a maybe matter. they didn't develop in the, in oh, the timeline true. Differently, yeah, different right? timeline i forgot yeah 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 but there is an isaac though yes there is an isaac but he apparently was not uh not stationed the same way and had a different interaction and whatever uh so i guess first i'd like to ask you both your impressions of this this two-part season-ending finale. And then I have three interesting facts about the Orville that I'd like to, well, to, to take up with what you guys. I can say, I'll say very briefly about this was these last two episodes kind of redeemed Orville a little bit, kind of, sort of, maybe, right? Because they mm-hmm. were better than most of the episodes throughout the season. I mean, other than the, mm-hmm. the dun-dun-dun sleeper agent Isaac, that was a kind of a cool twist. Mm-hmm. Um, it reinforces, in my mind, that Kelly's the smart one on the ship, or, or the yep. smart one of the two. Mm-hmm. Couple, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It, again, it's it's like you said, like like. In some cases, they try too hard for this fan service that you're talking about, you know, like in, in Game of Thrones, like the whole bringing back Alara, like why bother? You know, yep. I wanted to just leave a Starbucks coffee on Captain's desk and be done with it, you know? <laughs> so, you know, that's my opinion. What do you think, Jaime? You're the big fan. Yeah, it, it, I think I come from, from a different angle. So um, the first episode, the first half of the of the two-parter, um, I liked, I, I did also recognize it as being like the uh, Will and Thomas Riker episode of TNG. Mm-hmm. Um, I was was pretty impressed with how different the actress was for Kelly from her normal self and her younger self mm-hmm. um, and and the makeup folks who made her look different even though it's the same actress so the, that was pretty cool um, what did come to my mind was like yeah it's kind of weird that Ed would be dating her because he'd have all this knowledge of you know about her uh, and it would be like a very seriously one-sided relationship from a pyrodynamic standpoint mm-hmm. uh, including I was like wow he would be an um, incredible mind-blowing lover from her 
her perspective because he would know <laughs> like five to seven years, however long it was, uh, seven years ago, worth of like information of the stuff she's into that she doesn't even know well, she's that, into. That's what I'm right? saying. That was the creepy part, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the, by, by, by retrospect, would that make her a terrible lover? Yeah, he'd probably be like, <laughs> kind of disappointed. Like, oh, well, let me show you some stuff here. here let me help you skip a few steps. Yeah. Um, I, I, I went into it unspoiled. I didn't know it was going to be a two-parter, so I was actually pretty thrown when uh, it doesn't end like happy at the end. I thought we were just going to say, oh, yeah, here's the loving recap sort of thing of how they got mm-hmm. to be where they're at. So going into the the second uh, of the two-parter, um, I was sort of taken by how Star Wars-y it was in terms of the the pace and action and even some of the music was very Star Wars-y and they had um, some Star Wars reference like with Yafit being sort of a oh, right. Return yeah, of yeah. the Jedi yeah. Jabba's Palace which itself is also mm-hmm. a reference to the Wizard of Oz big yep. giant door um, who goes there sort of thing uh, also was unspoiled with uh, Alara coming back I think I kind of have a different perspective of like I had no idea she would ever come back I thought like maybe she'd Tasha Yar it at some point you know if the Orville stayed on for several more seasons mm-hmm so it was kind of a more of a, a nice surprise to me. Um, well, I guess that was like, a throwback to Tasha Yar in a sense, right? Yep. Alternate timeline. You can bring back dead characters or characters who have left the show. Yeah. Um, and I think it might have been thrown in there is kind of a... Um, she wasn't super important to the, the, the plot line. And I wonder if it was because uh, in the meta about this whole show, there's tons of people wondering like, oh, did she suddenly leave? Because they, people kind of think she and Seth MacFarlane were dating and maybe they had a yeah. bad breakup and that's why she's suddenly off the show um i think this might have been that's a little bit of like no nah, we're, we're totally we're totally cool we're friends yeah. yeah moving on if they even had a relationship it's not even clear if they did or not it just felt so inconsequential like her her part of the storyline just didn't have any gravitas like it wasn't like oh god you like you know it was just like she had the macguffin that they needed to solve the problem like eh, yeah like it just felt disappointing that way like she i thought she was a strong character she's one of my favorites from the show and i think the season's actually suffered by her loss because I, I certainly don't think that uh, Callie is as interesting a character. Tala? Tala. Right. Tala. Right. Tala. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that was a little bit of a letdown for me. All right. All right. Are you, are you ready for your three facts about yeah, the Orville? Yes, so let's get on to that. Ready, ready to the watch. Ready for the three, yes. the three facts. Give us. Three facts. Yes. Here we go. The Orville has yet to be renewed for season three. Oh. It is now owned by the Disney Corporation. Oh, really? Huh. Here, here is fact number two. Season two saw a 27% drop in viewers from season one. Wow. Fact number three. Seth McFarlane's exclusive contract with Fox expires in June. Hmm. Does that, yeah, does that it, jeopardize Family Guy too? Yes. Ah. So the question becomes, does he re-sign another exclusive deal with Disney to produce Family Guy, uh, uh, American Dad, Orville, and continue in those things? Does Fox, which owns the network but no longer owns the show, want to have a Disney property on their airwaves? Maybe he's going to host Hockey uh, Night in Canada. Will Seth MacFarlane want to re-sign with Disney to produce shows for the Fox channel, or does he want to go get paid Netflix money? Mm, Interesting. And so all of these things are tied into the fact that while people are, I think, broadly assuming online, the Orville will be back for season three and continue forward. uh, I don't think I would, I don't think I'd put that in in pen yet. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting what I just sort of like the, the, the tying up of this two episodes, it almost feels like you could end the show here, right? 
because yes, it, I was it, was happy that it was not a cliffhanger of like, oh no, we never get to know what happened, sort of thing. Yeah, kind it, of, it, it kind could of, be a satisfying end. Yeah, it's like uh, what was the other show I used to watch that got canceled? Um, Dark Matter. Dark Matter yeah. ended on a cliffhanger, but but rather than like a lot of shows just sort of tie things up nicely in a bow at the end of the season, you know, um, this it kind of it, it ties up loose ends. You could just go, you could go on to the movie from here, right? Yep, yeah. yep. I know it's, uh, I saw those, I, I was doing a little digging around about the Orville because it occurred to me at the end of the season, I thought, it's funny because I've seen some announcements of shows that have been bought up, been renewed for next year, and CW's already made its announcements, and I thought, that's funny, I don't remember seeing anything about the Orville, and I started down this rabbit hole and came across those three facts and thought, those are all very telling things, very interesting, interesting very to take, interesting. In, independent of one another, and then when you take them collectively, it's hard not to think, hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder what this all might mean yep indeed because um, if he signs somewhere else the orville's gone because he'll be creating new things because uh disney owns family guy and owns american dad and owns the orville so unless he can figure out a way to get a place to buy those rights from disney good luck with that he'll have to move on to the next thing if he signs a new deal with disney um it's a question of whether even if he signs a new deal with disney whether fox wants to bring the orville back because fox airs it even though disney would be producing it so it's a real question of of a, a lot of things have to align to get a, a third season out of this. I could see it going to Disney Plus and or like Hulu, depending like if it if Fox ended up not showing it on the airwaves, and so it, it could be sort of the CBS All Access Star Trek Discovery sort of route. Not quite I the same because it clearly would not be the marquee like Discovery was. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that's a really that's a good observation. I, I think that's probably a, a more likely outcome um, because yeah, the, the, the you know we've already seen Fox has started canceling shows and um, it'll be interesting to see what they do because again, they used to produce produce and put on their own shows. Now, they don't own a production facility anymore, so Fox's shows are all going to be bought from other people. Mm, interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to that network lineup for next year and it'll be interesting to see uh, if, I, I assume they still have contracts and writer first refusal on a lot of these shows, you know, the uh, Simpsons and, and uh, Family Guy and, and, you know, all these Fox properties that now belong to Disney as far as the production rights um i assume that they get to continue airing them as long as they want to but if they start turning down things because they want to go a different direction uh i wonder if we're going to start seeing them migrating to the hulus and the disney pluses or abc true true yeah interesting interesting maybe they'll become the alternate fact network uh all right well let's move on to the watch list since we're way over time here um so my first one here is a very simple one i started watching killing eve season two which i guess started a couple weeks ago i think i've missed one episode in the pvr snapping um if i don't watch things every two weeks I, I lose episodes but yeah i think i'm into the third or fourth episode now and and uh it's it's a great show i don't know if you guys have watched it yet but uh, when when you get around to it you'll really enjoy it cool that's been on my like want to watch list for a while but uh, yeah i don't think i don't think it ages too because it's not it's not uh, like again it doesn't have any of the sort of fingerprints of of you got to watch it now kind of thing because you know well, did you use computers and stuff like that but yeah it's it's um really interesting really interesting story and it, i don't know maybe if you lived in europe it might be a different different feeling but yeah for us you know it has a a, a real sense of the, the character Villeneuve and uh and um the character sandra o play a really really interesting character so interesting interplay between the two of them anyway that's mine my main what do you got mine is a fan video from a game of thrones fan who has put together aria and the hound so sort of a almost like a, a trailer of what would that be if it was a buddy comedy between those two right. going around and i thought that was kind of a, a amusing to watch because i definitely 
definitely enjoyed the interaction between Arya and the Hound when they were sort of roaming the land and trying to make their way to the Vale sort of thing. And, and this sort of follows along with that. Uh, there's also other ideas from other people in this article of like Sam and Gilly plus eight. It's like the yeah. John and Kate plus eight sort of thing. And uh, other ones that we'll have in the, in the show notes for those of you transporting at home. Nice. Cool. Right. You got anything, John? Yeah. I, the only one I will flag is that uh, I, I did manage to catch up on a couple of my shows this week. And uh, the one that I can't get enough of and that I'm, I'm dying for more of is, is Happy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have been watching or staying on top of Happy, but last week's episode uh, was was spectacular. It was absolutely spectacular. Um, again, I'm not going to throw too many spoilers out there, but Happy makes some new imaginary friends, and it turns out very, very, very graphically. It's really hilarious mm. that that show never, never re- stops making me laugh out loud, and it is so good, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the last few episodes this season. Cool. Yeah, I, I have it uh, queued up on the PVR. I just haven't got around catching up on it yet. But yeah, that's next, I think, actually. Yeah, I might. I've got the same. I might end up binging them once the season ends. Yeah, is what I think. Well, because that's what I ended up doing with the first season of Happy. Yeah, it's on Netflix sort of like now, isn't it? Watching through. I think the first season's on there now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. All righty. Oh, by the way, I, I, I um. I did miss uh, a couple of episodes of Twilight Zone. I don't know. Well, I guess my PVR has lost its mind again. But uh, no surprises there since it's controlled by Rogers. But so I, I went to uh, Crave to watch um, the rest of Twilight Zone. And it comes up on Crave as um, CBS All Access. Like the, the, I don't know, the, the splash screen at the very beginning, right? So, which is interesting. We don't normally see that in Canada, right? Mm, I see. I see. Yeah, they, well, they are looking to, to launch that in Canada. I think we That's talked true. about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I can't watch any more episodes because I canceled my subscription oh. and they don't prorate so I was able to watch a few more episodes but it ended uh, today actually and I'm looking at the calendar oh really today is the very last day so we'll um, be able to catch up in uh, in the fall when we get another season of uh, something you want to watch like Picard or uh, whatever comes next mm-hmm. exactly that that's sort of the, the, the thing like right now I'm subscribed to HBO for Game of Thrones and binge through and watched all of uh, season two of Westworld and I'll do just like the same thing here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. And Jonathan, if people want to find you, where do they find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. And I'm on most of the socials as Tim Mitra, T I M M I T R A. But Twitter is the best place to get a hold of me. So, until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spockcast website at spockcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spockcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash Spockcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.